Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Shreddy Steak Podcast. This is episode number three. I'm your host, Alex, aka Shreddy, and this is a podcast related to all things movies and filmmaking. This show does not have an official sponsor, but you can support this show and my channel by purchasing my feature film, Cashing Out, as well as merchandise, courses, and more at awsfilms.com or cashingoutfilm.com. Right now, I am doing a holiday sale until the end of the year, so now is the best time to buy my movie or any related merchandise. Please consider subscribing. This podcast is available on all the major podcasting platforms, as well as a video version on YouTube. As of right now, I am releasing episodes bi-weekly on Wednesdays, as well as video segments, like cut-down video segments of the show, on the following Monday Wednesdays, and potentially Fridays if I have enough content. If you like the show, also please consider leaving, an, leaving a review, excuse me, or if you're watching this on YouTube, please like this video to help people see it. Because, you know, that's how the YouTube algorithm works, unfortunately. Appreciate you all. Today's main topic will be about the mental game of filmmaking. So basically my thoughts around staying mentally strong in an industry that's consistently beating people down. I'll also be shouting out another local film, talking about a couple movies I've watched recently, and starting two new segments called Recent News and Gear Recommendations. I'm sure you're all wondering what that's about. So, lots of really great stuff today. So let's go ahead and start with the recent news. So the, the biggest recent news that we've got recently, and it kind of ties into the last episode talking about you know, the movie theaters and streaming in general is that one Wonder Woman isn't going to be the only movie that's being released on HBO Max the same day as theaters. Warner Brothers decided that they're going to release their entire 2021 film slate, you know, with the same model, both on HBO Max and in theaters. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this. I don't know how to feel like I, I know I made that episode about, you know, supporting movie theaters and all that. And nothing has changed as far as that, but I don't know how to feel about this. This is like, I mean, I feel like this could definitely change the industry as a whole for sure. As far as just the model of how movies are released, which can be both a good thing and a bad thing. I did watch a couple of other videos from YouTubers who were talking about this and they made some kind of interesting points from the other side, uh, mainly being that, you know, this could potentially keep people who we don't want in movie theaters out of movie theaters, which I think is definitely an interesting point. But I can see where this can just go completely wrong as far as on the movie theater side. As I mentioned before, I worked at a movie theater for 13 years and, you know, we were kind of hurting even before all this, you know, pandemic stuff started happening. So I feel like it could really, really go either way. I think the movie theater industry and just the way movies are released needs to be changed as a whole for sure. I don't know what that is yet. You know, maybe this whole day and date things with the HBO releasing these movies the same time as theaters could end up being a good thing, but you know, we're really not going to know until we see how things play out. You know, it's it's going to be an interesting next couple of years. I think at some point theaters will definitely bounce back, 
even if distributors continue doing this whole, you know, releasing movies the same day, but it's going to take some time. And, you know, the, the theater industry as a whole definitely needs help. You know, I, I think it's a little ridiculous that the government's been bailing out all these massive corporations, you know, at the blink of an eye, but movie theaters are still hurting really, really bad. And there's just been no support for a lot of small businesses in general. Like I know there's like the PPP loans and, you know, there, there is money out there to help try and save some of these businesses. But, you know, being from the Chicagoland area, you know, I've been hearing about how many like restaurants and just like small businesses like that, you know, are starting to permanently close because of all these restrictions and all that, you know, like we shouldn't be going through this. The government should definitely be doing a bit more to step in to help all these small businesses because we're not going to be able to survive. And, you know, it's just, it's just sad to see. I'd like to see more coming, more help coming from the government, but we're just going to have to see how that goes. So definitely interested in seeing and how this is all going to pan out in the future. And, you know, I, I really hope that movie theaters and I mean, really everything, all these businesses that are hurting in general, obviously I want them to get the help that they deserve, but obviously movie theaters are near and dear to my heart. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that eventually something is going to come through with this. So we're just going to have to wait and see. I received a question from a colleague of mine. I want to answer, try to answer some questions about, you know, anything, movies, filmmaking, whatever, because, you know, I, I got to try to come up with these topics and all that. And, you know, sometimes there's things that I don't think of. So uh, I had a question um, from a, like I said, a colleague, and he asked me what I thought about genre combining. So I'm, I'm guessing what this means is what, what do I think about filmmaking or just movies that combine genres? So such as like recently we got the movie Freaky that I'll be checking out soon. You know, that's a horror comedy. You know, there's plenty of genres that kind of bounce around between different ones. So my, my thoughts on that is I think it's great when it's done well. I'm definitely not against it for sure but I can see where some movies, it really hurts it. I think as long as you can stay pretty focused on what it is you're trying to do, you'll definitely be a lot more successful at it. And if it kind of just makes sense to do that, you know, I, I think I would definitely be all for it. I can't really name any movies offhand where it didn't work very well. I'm sure they're definitely out there, but like, for instance, well, I guess one that, came up recently was the uh, the new mutants you know combining the horror with the the superhero genre i still think that could work but they did a really poor job with that movie but then you got other movies like Shaun of the dead that do it really well so you know do with that information that you will so i, I think it could really go one of two ways um you know i'm definitely not afraid to try to do some genre blending but I also see the importance of trying to keep it focused as far as a genre or a theme or whatever, as far as the storytelling process goes. So like I said, I think if you know the genres pretty well and your story is at least focused enough to where it makes sense to combine genres, 
then I think it's okay. But like I said, it could really just go one of two different ways. So I think the only way to really know is to try it. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, then we know for sure. So that's all I really have to say about that. If you, any of the listeners want to comment to me, um, questions you might have about filmmaking or movies in general, be sure to leave it in the comments section on the YouTube video. I don't think you can leave comments on the, any of the podcasting platforms. So I guess I'll have to start a, a YouTube or not a YouTube, sorry, like a Google form for submitted questions that I can answer during the show. So be on the lookout for that here soon. I'll definitely leave it in the show notes. Um, so I don't have a link made for it yet as I'm speaking, but I'll, I'll leave a, I'll definitely create a form and leave it in the show notes for you guys to submit questions to. So moving on, what have I been watching recently? I have watched two really solid movies. One, I wouldn't say is disappointing, but I was definitely really excited for, and you know, I didn't love it. And then the other one I was also really excited for, and I ended up loving it. So, you know, let's, let's get into it. So I watched Mank and the Sound of Metal on the same day which was this previous Saturday, which that information doesn't really matter since the show comes out a week from now or two weeks from now, I think. But anyway, so Mank, I enjoyed it. I am a huge David Fincher fanboy, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Why I'm even bothering to mention that. I, I saw somebody on Twitter mention how Fincher boys are more dangerous than Nolan boys. And what they mean by that are, are just fans and how we'll rush to defend anything that, you know, a particular director, filmmaker, or just artist in general will do. I, I kind of want to just briefly talk about this because, like, as long as nobody's hurting anybody, I don't care who you support as far as artists and what you like. I think it's great that you have a passion for, you know, a particular artist style or anything like that. And I'm not certainly going to apologize for being a fan of something or liking something. Opinions are subjective for sure. So I really, it drives me nuts when people say that other people's opinions are wrong just because they don't like something. I think that's a load of garbage, to be honest. And it's really toxic. And it kind of just makes me like not want to be in the online community. Like I know I probably sound like a quote unquote snowflake by saying this, but I just don't want to be around those kinds of negative people. Now I'm fine with constructive criticism, but when you're trying to get your hot take out there because you, you know, you think you're being, you know, uh, edgy or whatever, you know, you're just trying to get your opinion out there to stir the pot. I think that's just, it's stupid. Like, it's just stupid. And I'm going to keep thinking that for the rest of my life. I don't care if you like somebody who I don't like. You know, you could tell me that, I could say, you could tell me that Tommy Wiseau is the greatest filmmaker of all time. And I'd be like, cool. I don't agree with you. But if you told me why, I'm not going to say, hmm, maybe you should change your mind or you're wrong or you're stupid. I think we really need to get away with that. 
get away from that as from as society as a whole. Like it's fine if you don't like something. It's fine if you want to crap all over a movie because you didn't like it. But if you're not being constructive and you're calling people dumb because they like something, I think that's wrong. Like that is severely wrong. There's this girl on TikTok that I watch and she's always getting crapped on for her opinions on things. And like, it just saddens me that she feels that she has to make content calling these people out instead of being focused on just talking about the things that she likes, you know, the movie she likes and continuing just throwing her opinion out there. Like, who cares what these people think? Do what you love and forget about everybody else. And you know what? We're going to get a little bit into that later when we talk about the mental game. But let's carry on. So Mank. I didn't love Mank. I liked Mank. I think it is definitely a movie that I'm going to be able to appreciate later on. Especially as I get older. Like, I've only seen Citizen Kane once. So, you know, I don't have like a strong opinion of it. I can see of the relevance that it had when it was made back in the late thirties and released in the early forties, you know, I can definitely see that and appreciate it, but I don't know if I'm at the, the right mindset yet to where I can appreciate it for what it really is. And I can kind of save the same for this movie too, because, you know, this is definitely, it, it's a historical biopic and it's not trying to be like overly entertaining. Like David Fincher's movies are obviously beautiful to look at, you know, all of the aesthetics behind it from all the, you know, the below the line talent are top notch. Every time he makes a movie, that's obviously apparent, but I mean, just from a story standpoint and all that, I don't know if this is a movie I can appreciate yet. Excuse me. Appreciate yet. I think I will be able to in the future, but for now, you know, I'm just going to leave it how it is. I'm going to watch it again eventually. I I was going to watch it again like pretty soon so I could form more of an opinion on it. But I think I would like to do more research just to behind all of the people, the time period and all that to kind of get a really firm grasp on everything that I'd watched. Moving on, The Sound of Metal is a movie that I had been really looking forward to seeing all year. I want to say that this movie came out in Sundance. I had heard about it like early in the year and I'm like, yeah, this movie sounds awesome. So for those who don't know, this movie is about a metal drummer who starts to go deaf and his hearing just progressively gets worse as the movie, you know, goes on. It it goes, you know, spoiler alert. I mean, he eventually goes deaf and it happens pretty early in the movie, but it's just kind of how he copes with the whole situation and all that. So, you know, I was really intrigued with that, just because I really like movies about music in general, but just like this whole, like, it it gave me the feel of watching The Wrestler, like, kind of like if this was like the drumming movie, like if The Wrestler was a drumming movie, I really like The Wrestler with the, the Darren Aronofsky movie with Mickey Rourke. I think that movie is amazing. I love the low budget feel of that. And this movie definitely has that too. It was shot on film you know, just, it's very focused on its characters and like the performances in this movie and just what the, the story of this movie are just phenomenal. Like Riz Ahmed is an amazing actor who gave an amazing performance. 
And honestly, I could really see him winning Best Actor at the Oscars next year. And if he doesn't, I'll kind of be livid. I tweeted that out last night. I will be livid if he doesn't win. Gary Oldman will probably win for Mank because he's Gary Oldman. But I'd really, really love to see Riz Ahmed win for this movie. Like, it was just absolutely incredible. I just cannot, like, it's such an emotional roller coaster. Like, just the ups and downs. Like, you can just really just feel how this person and his girlfriend were feeling during these times and just what an emotionally distraught situation this was for them. And just like, it was really interesting just to see another side of just the deaf community that just really isn't portrayed in movies. So for instance, like he is a heroin addict, like he he's clean, he's four years clean in this movie, but he goes to get, he, you know, when he's dealing with a situation, he needs to go to a group to, you know, you know, a, uh, like an NA group to kind of get him through all the emotions that he's feeling at that moment, because he obviously wants to use because he's stressed out. And there's a support group with deaf people who are drug addicts and alcoholics. You know, that's just something you don't think about in that kind of situation, because we don't regularly see that in movies or TV. So it was really interesting just to kind of see just that side of it that you don't normally think about. And it's something that I greatly commend on this movie. So uh, that movie is out on Amazon Prime right now. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Absolutely amazing movie. Um, I just can't say enough about it. Mank is out on Netflix right now. You know, definitely check that out. Um, I'm doing a full review on it on the, the Filmbook channel, the Filmbook review channel that I make videos for. So make sure you go check that out. It will probably already be out by the time that this podcast is out. Um, so definitely check that out. And I'll also be doing a review for Freaky with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton here pretty soon. I will also believe that that movie or the review, excuse me, the review will be out by the time that this podcast is out. So definitely go check those out on the Film Book Review YouTube channel if you want to see my full thoughts on them. So moving on from here, we're going to jump into the Shreddy's Take shoutouts. So every week on the show, I will shout out a film in my area to help promote smaller projects in Indiana or Illinois, or I guess any other surrounding states. You know, as long as it's, you know, like a small project, not like a Hollywood feature, I will definitely shout it out. It can be a feature, a short, a web series, or anything in between. I do not care. You can submit your film at the link bit.ly slash shreddies take shoutouts. Or if you forget later, you can check for the link in the show notes or the YouTube description. Today's submission comes to us from Alan Wills of Steel Edge Films. Alan submitted a short horror film titled Twin Game which is a part of his Bump in the Night series that's currently in its second season on YouTube. Twin Game is seven minutes long, directed by Wills, and stars M. Shelton and Shailen Krell. The synopsis of this film is, they say, we all have a twin in this world, but what if we met our twin from another world through a game? We must follow the rules or there will be consequences. Come join us as we play the twin game. 
Thank you so much to Alan for submitting to us this week. Alan also wanted us to know that he's a huge fan of Batman, Sammy Terry, and the Friday the 13th series, as he was also born on Friday the 13th. Fun fact. He also has a book out called Make Believe that is currently out on Amazon, or I'm sure that he sent me another link, but I'm going to guess he probably linked that on his website too. So if you're interested in that, definitely check it out on his website, which will be linked in all of the show notes below. Um, so everything, everything that he sent me will be linked in the show notes. So if you want to watch that film or more or learn more about it, be sure to check on that. Again, if you'd like to submit a film to the Shreddy's Take shoutout, be sure to visit bit.ly slash Shreddy's Take shoutout. And now we have to try to hopefully pay some bills and convince people to help support this show. So you can support me and the show by purchasing anything I have available for sale. My number one item is my feature film, Cashing Out, which is available on Blu-ray, DVD, and video on demand. You can subscribe to this show on any of your favorite platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, as well as a video version of this podcast on YouTube. You can also buy any of my films, merchandise, and educational content at my website, www.awsfilms.com. Everything purchased will go towards me making more content like this and films for you to enjoy. Right now, almost everything I sell is on sale until the end of the year, so now is the best time to buy. Again, that's www.awsfilms.com. So moving on to a new section, we are going to be talking about some gear recommendations. Um, particularly just one piece of gear that I have used that I've really come to like, and that's what this section is going to be all about. I'm going to recommend some of the, the smaller price gear that I used, um, just so that way no budget filmmakers like myself kind of know what's available to them before they buy. And then they can buy in confidence, you know, without having to go through, you know, the risk of, you know, this not being what they wanted or, you know, something similar. So today I'm going to be talking about the Ronin S, which you cannot see it on the audio podcast, obviously, but I brought it up on the, it's going to be on the video. Um, you can also, there will be a shorter segment of this on YouTube. So if you want to see the actual piece of gear, you know, definitely check out the, the highlight video that'll be out uh, later after this episode airs. But here we have the Ronin S gimbal by DJI. So a gimbal, for those who don't know, is a stabilizer. So basically you can put a camera on top of it and it will kind of smooth out the motion so you can walk around with it or kind of get just, you know, those really, really smooth shots. So why do I recommend this one? Well, I've gone through a couple of gimbals from DJI. I've done a ton of research on them. And I've only used two of the big ones. I've used the the DJI's mobile gimbal, but I've also used I've used two of their full size camera gimbals. Um, so this one I use on my short film "Let Me Go" on any of the kind of stabilized motion shots. Um, this is what was used for that. 
And this thing is really, really simple to use. And that is my biggest reason why I like it. It's not that big. You can kind of see how big it is in comparison to my body if you're watching the video. It's not overly big. Um, but the other big thing about this too is that it is super easy to set up. So with gimbals, you can't just throw the camera on it and get going. Um, the reasoning for that is because if there's too much weight on one side or the other of it, you that can wear out the gimbal motor, excuse me, gimbal motors. So you need to pre-balance the camera on top of this thing so that way, you know, it doesn't overwork any of the motors. I had the Ronin M before I had this thing, and that one wasn't too complicated to set up, but it was a lot bigger, a lot bulkier, and it took more time for me to set that one up. This one I was able to set up, I can set up a camera on this one in five minutes and be ready to go, which is really, really awesome. It's kind of the same process as the Ronin M, but I just found that I just can set this up so easy. I don't know if it's just balanced differently or what, but I'm just able to do it really, really quick. There's nothing super fancy about this one. Um, you know, the handle right here is the battery, which I really like. Um, and then it's got a dial on the back. You probably won't be able to see on the video, but it's got this dial right here to um, pan it forward and backwards and, or sorry, from left to right and tilt it up and down. Um, you can also change the speed of the tilt. You can also hook up. I don't have it. I just got the basic kit. Um, but they also have a lens, like a focuser and a, a cord where you can set up the, um, to control it. Cause there's a record button on here too. So you can get a little bit of ca uh, camera controls with it, which is really cool. I'm not personally going to use either of those things, but they're available to you. I like how, like I said, I like how simple this thing is. Like it's just one piece of equipment. The Ronin M was very, very bulky and I couldn't figure out how to store it. And you know, the batteries didn't last very long. This battery lasts 12 hours, by the way, as long as it's, you know, balanced properly, it will last a long time. Um, there's an app you can use to control it. Very, very easy to set up. You know, I just like this thing a lot. There's newer gimbals that are out where, you know, they got a lot more upgrades. Like I know the, the Ronin SC, you can even take your phone and move your phone around and the gimbal will follow it, which I think is really cool. But if you're just looking for something very, very simple, you know, just something where that you can set up in five minutes and just go, I definitely recommend this one. Um, it doesn't fit all cameras. Um, I was able to fit my Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K, which is what we're shooting this on, um, on this thing, no problem. Um, and that's even with the cage on it. I had to have the cage on it because you can't center it. You have to kind of put it off to the side to get it to balance correctly. But I used, this, I used it on that and it worked really well. So I think this is a great, great piece of equipment. If you're looking for, like I said, something very simple to use, if you want a gimbal like this, um, it fits most DSLRs, definitely make sure that your DSLR will fit it beforehand. Um, but if you're looking just for, like I said, a camera setup, or you can just put the camera and a lens on it and just go, 
this is definitely a great, great gimbal for that. I got this gimbal um, for $350 on Black Friday, which I think was one of the big reasons that I bought it. So it wasn't that expensive. And one of the other things that's really great about this is, like I said, the 12-hour the battery is great because then you don't have to have multiple batteries. When I had the Ronin-M, I had to have two batteries, and they weren't that great. But this thing also comes with a case, which I think is one of the biggest things, one of the biggest pluses for me, because, you know, these Pelican cases are very, very expensive. Um, even getting some of the off-branded ones, it's kind of a pain, especially if you have a huge gimbal. This thing ha just comes with a case. So, I mean, you know, that just makes, you know, that if we knock 50 bucks off this thing, this thing would be like 300 bucks. If, you know, I'm sure that's how much the case runs for this thing, probably even more, to be honest. It's a cheap option for a gimbal. You know, if you want to get some of the newer ones, that's great. But if you're looking, if you're like me and you're looking for the cheapest option for something, this is definitely one of the best gimbals out there for sure. I was very wary about DJI because the Ronin-M that I had crapped out on me. It just stopped working and I only used it once and I dropped 800 bucks on that thing and I'm still kind of salty about it. So I'm like, I don't know if I can buy another DJI product, but I used this thing once on a shoot. I heard great things about it and I got to say they... I think everything that was wrong with some of their earlier gimbals definitely was fixed with this one. And I know future models will be like that as well. So definitely, definitely check out this gimbal if you're looking for, you know, a cheap gimbal to put your DSLR on. Um, I want to say that I'm not affiliated with DJI. I bought this thing full price. And that will definitely be how... Most of my gear recommendations will be, unless this show just blows up and companies start sending me gear to try out and review. But just know that all of the gear that I'm going to be personally recommending is stuff that I use, stuff that I stand by, and probably something that I bought. So definitely keep that in mind. So on to the last topic of today, we're gonna to be talking about the mental game of filmmaking. So what does that mean exactly? Well, filmmaking is very, very difficult. It's something that honestly kind of sucks sometimes. You you go out, you try to make these films, you try to make them the best that you can, and then either people crap all over them or they're just not very good or you can't, or they are good and you can't get people to watch or care about them. So how do you deal with that without just wanting to give up right away? Well, I'm going to kind of tell you my thought processes behind all that because it's very, very difficult. I have been trying to make movies for about 10 years now. Well, I've been making movies for about 10 years now, but I mean, more on a professional level, I've been trying to do it for about 10 years. It's not easy. It's very, very difficult. It's very, very mentally and sometimes physically draining on you to do this. Like I worked on a feature film and I worked on the script for years. So I want to say I worked on the script for like four years, you know, worked on shooting the movie and editing it for another two to three. And I released this thing back earlier this year and it kind of feels like it's done. So I spent, you know, six years of my life 
making this movie for it to just kind of come and go, you know, in two or three months. So, you know, it can be very, very hard to stay motivated after that. I mean, that that's just the game, you know, that's how movies are. They come and they go really easily. You know, I hope to, I hope that people will come to appreciate it more. I mean, I'm definitely, people definitely appreciate it for sure. But I mean, just like on a wider scale, I hope people will come to appreciate it more in the future, especially as I make more content. Um, But, you know, that could also not happen. So one of the biggest things are, or one of the biggest things is that you need to realize that the odds are kind of stacked against you. Like this field is just cluttered with a lot of people who are either making great stuff or just making a lot of crap. Ever since the days that iPhones and just cell phones in general and these DSLRs came out, like equipment is a lot more accessible to people more than it ever was before. So because of that, there's definitely a surplus of content that just consistently keeps coming out. I think there's like, I can't remember what the statistic was, but there's like more than a billion minutes of YouTube content uploaded daily, which is just absolutely bonkers. And, you know, a lot of that's definitely professionally made stuff, but then a lot of it is also people just uploading random things that they shoot on their cell phones or even just people like me, small creators who are making stuff like this, who don't have a large audience. There's a lot of stuff out there and it is really hard to get people to watch your stuff. How do you deal with that? You know, that's the biggest question. And for me, one of the things I had to ask myself and kind of decide on is deciding on what kind of filmmaker I wanted to be and what my definition of success is. So what I mean by what kind of filmmaker you want to be, you know, you kind of have to decide if you're trying to make movies, you kind of have to decide are you going to go sort of the traditional Hollywood route or are you going to go more the independent route and do things on your own? So the Hollywood route, you'd move to like Los Angeles. You just try to get on sets working as a production assistant or something similar and kind of just working your way to the top or staying in your hometown and just making what you can and hoping for the best. So for me personally, I decided to take the route of just staying in my hometown and just making content as I can. I knew that I was somebody who wanted to make movies their own way. I felt that I knew that I was motivated enough to do it myself. And not everybody's that way. Some people need to do something like move to Los Angeles because they're going to be more motivated. They're not motivated just to go off and find a bunch of people and put a movie together. But I was. So, you know, I decided to make a ton of short films and all that and build a community around me. And, you know, so far it's worked out, but I wouldn't, I'm not making movies as a living yet. And that definitely is one of my goals in life is to be able to consistently make films or just make content in general for people to watch and be able to make a living out of it. So that's kind of my definition of success is I want to, I don't necessarily need to be the most famous director in Hollywood or anything like that. I just want to be able to make content and make a living out of it. I don't need a ton of money. I just need a comfortable living. And that that's pretty much it. If I blew up beyond that, 
that'd be great too, but it's not something I'm expecting. Now, I also have it in the back of my mind that that's not going to work out either. You know, I might be stuck just kind of where I'm at now in YouTube, where I only have a little over 100 subscribers and the only people who see my films are people that I know or people in my community. I think that's okay too, as long as I keep doing it. And I think that's something I'm never going to give up as much as I want to most days. I just kind of want to throw this all away and go try something else. But, you know, this stuff has just been in my blood for so long that I just can't ever see myself not doing it. I just don't think I'll always be able to do it at the rate that I was doing it before, especially as I get older. If I can't make this a living, I'm going to have to, you know, get a job to where I'm going to be able to live comfortably, and then just kind of do all this stuff on the side. I think about that too sometimes. The future is definitely unknown with this career path. You don't know if you're going to land that next gig. You don't know if you're going to get calls back. You don't know if everything is going to work out. And that is very, very mentally draining. Now, the way that I personally get through it a lot is that I feel like I have a pretty good support system around me. You know, I'm able to talk to people if I need to, especially if I'm feeling particularly like I'm not doing very well with this or anything like that. I think that's very important to have people around you to push you to keep going. I think you need to try to weed out the people who are kind of bringing you down as well. Like, try not to, like, you know, I talked about this earlier during the what I've been watching recently section is just negative people just bringing you down because you like a particular movie. You know, you're going to have people who don't like your movie. When I released Cashing Out to the world and other people aside from people that I know watched it, there were a lot of people who really didn't like it and they were not afraid to say that online it's very it's rough to see something that you put so much work into so much heart into so much blood into you and somebody's just like meh this is stupid or meh this is this isn't professional enough or this you know blah 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 it's tough it's very very tough to want to keep going after that but like I said before, you have to decide what kind of filmmaker do you want to be? Do you want to make it, make these things because you love it? Are you trying to go for that fame and accreditation and all that? Like, that's something you need to decide on. I would absolutely love for everybody to love what I was doing and to be really good at it and to get all these awards and all that. And, you know, for to have people kiss my ass and all that, you know, that'd be great. But I know that's not going to happen, and I'm okay with that to an extent. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want all those things, but I know no matter what people say, I'm going to keep making stuff. Nobody asked me to make this podcast. Right now, hardly anybody's listening to this podcast, so I'm pretty much talking to myself. But I'm still going to keep doing it because it's something that I want to do. It's something that I enjoy doing. I like helping people. I like talking about movies. I like making movies and I like that. So of course I'm going to make a show 
centered around that. Does it bring me down that more people don't listen to it or that I don't have a bigger audience? Absolutely. But I think it's that drive and that passion that I have that really helped me get through it. And that I have friends and family and all that who tell me like, hey, I really like the stuff that you make. It really inspires me that you're following your dreams and all that, you know? So that's definitely a huge thing. So I would say definitely if you know people, even if you're not an artist yourself, because I feel like this applies to all walks of life is, you know, try to support other people in your community and what they're doing. Tell them that they're doing a good job. Tell them that you appreciate the work that they're doing or that you really liked this piece of art that they made or whatever. It doesn't matter because, you know, that means something. These people put work into these things, even if just at their jobs, you know, tell them that they're doing a good job on something, especially when, you know, they're having it rough goes a very, very long way. I feel like people as a whole are really getting away from that, especially when you see all the craziness that's happening on the internet. I really want to see more people as a whole supporting each other. I don't think there's enough of that happening. It definitely is happening, but there's definitely not enough. And I feel like that is a major contributor to the mental game in filmmaking, not just filmmaking, but definitely in life as well. It's easy to get wrapped up and want to quit. I know a lot of people who I've met over the last 10 years of making movies that just stopped doing it because it got too hard. They didn't have the passion for it as they once did. You know, they they didn't get that success of, you know, making it to the top really quick and they quit. And it's a really... It's a shame to see because I know a lot of really talented people and I wish they would continue making things. I can go on all day about that and I try to do this myself. I try to tell people all the time, I like what you're doing. You need to keep doing what you're doing. I might give you some constructive criticism for sure, but I want you to keep doing it. Keep going. Even when things get tough, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. Reach out to me. I'll tell you something nice. I know how important that is. I love being complimented and people telling me I'm pretty and all that. It's very, very important to support people because if you don't, if you're not doing these things that you love, whether it's for monetary reasons or just in general, people become unhappy. If I wasn't making movies, I'd be insanely miserable. Like I'm not... 100% happy right now, just with the way my life is going. But if I didn't have all this stuff to create and this will to want to make and tell these stories, I would be insanely miserable. I probably just wouldn't want to live, to be honest. It's very, very important to have some sort of passion and be supported in that. Like I said, it doesn't have, you don't have to make money doing these things. You can just have a hobby that you really, really like, you know, you could be like my girlfriend, she crafts, she's not trying to make money doing these things. She just loves doing it. And, you know, she has people like me telling her, like, you're doing a good job and you should keep doing these things, you know, keep making your art because it's great and it makes you happy. You, you need to be doing these things because if, if 
especially for somebody like me, if I feel like people don't care, that's when I really start to kind of get down about it because then I start thinking, well, why should people care? I'm just making movies. Nobody asked me to make movies. Nobody asked me to make this podcast. That doesn't matter. You should still be making things just because, or you should just be doing anything you like just because you like doing it. Don't worry about what other people say. As long as you're not hurting others or doing anything derogatory, you know, I think it's very, very important to have passions and hobbies and all these things and to have a community around you that supports it. And I think once you kind of realize like what it is you really want and you're kind of realistic about how you can achieve it, I think that will definitely help your mental game out a lot. I think this is something I'll want to touch on more in the future. That's all I really have to say about it right now, but it's something I wanted to talk about. It's something I've been struggling with for sure lately, just because like right now I'm completely relying on my editing skills to make me money just because I don't have a regular job anymore. But, and I'd like to continue doing this full time and it's just really hard to get clients and all that. So I just wanted to talk about that because I know it's something especially with the craziness in the world right now. It's something that needs to be talked about. I definitely support you and what you want to do. If you need me to say nice things to you, don't be afraid to reach out. I will definitely compliment you or your arts or anything. You know, definitely don't be afraid to reach out to me. And, you know, I don't mind having people say nice things about me either. So definitely feel free to do that too. So that's how I'm going to end this episode. I want to thank you all to those who tuned in this week. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on any of your favorite platforms. We are currently on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, as well as a video podcast on YouTube. Be sure to leave me a rating, comments, thumbs up, or whatever possible to help spread the awareness of the show and help me on all these crazy algorithms to get people to watch or listen to my content. Be sure to check out my first feature film, Cashing Out, which is available on Blu-ray, DVD, as well as video on demand. You can get your copy or any awesome merch at cashingoutfilm.com. Be sure to follow me on both Instagram and Twitter at Real Slim Shreddy, R-E-E-L-S-L-I-M-S-R-E-D-Y. Thank you all again to those who listened or watched this podcast. This has been an AWS Films original production, www.awsfilms.com, and I will see you on the next one. Later. Later.